0: silver fern farms plate to pasture podcast powered by the country
1: well welcome into another one of our plate to pasture podcast a special series in association with silver fern farms my name is rowena Duncan, executive producer for the country joining me is dave courtney chief customer officer at silver fern farms and peter robinson robo to his friends General Manager for Sales at Silver Fern Farms. Dave, we're going to start with you, just because you've drawn the short straw there. Uh, Tell me a bit about your role and your involvement with Silver Fern Farms. Uh,
0: G'day Rowena and g'day to to the folks who are listening to this. Uh, So I've been at Silver Fern Farms now for two and a half years. Uh, I came to Silver Fern Farms after almost 10 years at Zespri. My role uh, at Silver Fern Farms is oversight of the sales marketing, growth strategy and innovation functions within the business to bring a, a joined up view across all of those functions as to how we generate value today and future value in the business.
1: That's an interesting move from kiwifruit to red meat.
0: Uh, yeah, still in the primary industry and, and, and I have a great passion for the primary industry because in the end you know who you're working for. It's not a faceless shareholder, it's a grower or a farmer and that's pretty cool to, to get up and know who you're working for in the morning. Um, and, and similarities and differences between the two industries.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll find out more about that uh, shortly. Peter Robinson, Robbo, also on this podcast, General Manager for Sales. Now, you've been at Silver Fern Farms for 43 years. There must be something that keeps you there. Is it the free lamb at Christmas?
2: Oh, yeah, that, that and that and the free venison, which I, I, I like a wee bit better, but uh, <laughs> no, this is a great place. I, I, I got offered to move to Dunedin in 1994 by the company to be part of the sales team from uh, where I lived in Christchurch and I said I'd come for five years and I'm still here so it can't be a bad place.
1: How good though is Dunedin over Christchurch? We've got a stadium with a roof.
2: Exactly. It took me a while to convert to being a Highlander supporter, but I I worked out that you had to do that pretty early on, otherwise you are going to be outcast.
1: (laughs) I can relate, uh, having come from a Hurricanes region as well. Uh, Dave, we'll start with you. Just give me a bit more of a background of Silver Fern Farms. We've obviously worked closely uh, together, the country, and Silver Fern Farms over the year, but usually it's in the context of you cooking us lamb lollipops (laughs) and we're enjoying them, but you go a lot more beyond just, just the lamb and the venison that we've mentioned with i
0: yeah of course so, so Silverfern farms this year is celebrating its 75th anniversary uh, over that period of time they've had various iterations of the company as it's merged and um, acquired other companies and and changed its name but the Silverfern farms ultimately is the uh, ultimate end of that journey if you like um, we stand as New Zealand's largest red meat processor uh, and we stand here uh, with an ambition to really focus in on our markets uh, on who our consumers are how to get to those consumers uh, because ultimately the better we understand them the better we think we can capture or the better we know we can capture value to return to farmers to give them confidence to keep farming uh, today and long into the future as well.
1: Now just speaking uh, to those markets obviously things have changed quite a lot uh, even in recent times but more so as we look longer term as well.
0: They have although fundamentally what sits in a market is is a consumer who wants to buy something and if you think about any category of products. Uh, cars, shampoo, um, razors, cereals, etc. Uh, if if you think about how they sit in the market, there's always a broad range of, of what you can buy and how much people are willing to pay for it. And that ultimately comes down to someone having an insight uh, that my particular product has something that stands it differently from everyone else. Um, and we think the red meat uh, business is no different. For a long time it's just been sold as beef and lamb. Uh, venison stands a bit on its own because it is a bit special and a bit niche in terms of protein around the world. Uh, but we think that there's qualities in our product and the way it's farmed, uh, the way it's processed and the way it's delivered to consumers around the world that they are willing to pay more value for because they see value in it. And so so we're just trying to apply some of those simple lessons you see in other categories into our category uh, over a over uh, long period.
1: And Robo, that's where your team come in as well and how you market that produce to to the consumers and how you tell the story
2: yeah yeah no exactly and and uh, it's all about knowing what the consumer wants to start with so we've done a lot of work over the last five years sort of understanding the consumer and having a lot more insights from our market and and then it's about being able to tailor our story or tailor, uh, tailor our products to meet that story and and uh, take the full benefits of what the consumer is really trying to drive us to deliver
1: and that's where the plate to pasture strategy would come in
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Understanding you know we've turned it right around it was it was a pasture to plate as everybody says rolls off the tongue for us it rolls off the tongue the other way now and uh, it's about understanding what that consumer wants and then trying to drive it back to farmers so that the farmers understand uh, where they can deliver more value for themselves and for consumers.
1: And so what kind of responses have you done at Silver Fern Farms in response to uh, what your consumers are saying and how their tastes and trends are changing over time?
2: Yeah it, look it's, it's one of the those things where, where over time, um, the, the consumer has changed a lot, um, and, and they probably moved from a you know a sustenance type model to a nutrition type model, and consumers understand more and more, or want to know more about what's in their products and what what nutrition it's delivering to them. So um, we spend a lot more time uh, working with our farmers in, in the areas of sustainability, in the areas of, of uh, breed genetics nutrition um, to make sure we're delivering the right product. So our net carbon zero is a probably a pretty good example of that.
1: Now here in New Zealand, you know, if we see a nice steak or something, we just want to chuck it on a barbie. Overseas, the consumers can like uh, cook their meat and prepare their meat in totally different ways. We've seen that change as well with COVID, uh, whether people are using food service or cooking in their own homes. That would have changed how they purchase your product as well.
2: A- absolutely. So so one of the things you need to be conscious of, and, and we're really conscious of, is is not trying to introduce a New Zealand uh, uh of cuisine or a New Zealand uh, liking to other markets and, and we, we see markets like China which is a very different um, uh, way of cooking their, their products to, to how we do so it's about having the right products to tailor to that market.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dave, we've been leaving you alone for a wee bit, but I just want to come back to markets, and we talk about the markets a lot. Uh, for a layman, it sometimes can be hard to keep up. I'm a former dairy farmer, so I don't always understand uh, the red meat side of things. What are some of the big factors that influence demand and pricing for New Zealand? The way
0: the way to think about red meat is New Zealand produces actually less than 1% of the world's um, beef, I think it's about twenty five percent of the world 's exported lamb and and about fifty percent of the world 's farm venison, but venison is a tiny tiny category so mm. so if you think in beef uh, less than one percent. We really are um, at the mercy of what's happening everywhere else in the world in terms of supply and so so this year's markets a really good example of that you know Brazil is is ramping up their production and they've also uh, had greater access into China and so you're seeing a significant amount of volume more than a million tons of beef from Brazil head into China and and that impact of a massive leap in supply obviously puts quite a weight on the market uh, around how much people are willing to, to, to pay to get it into the inventory when there's so much of it so that's on the supply side, and, and other dynamics can happen. So this year, Australia, for instance, having a fantastic year with both beef and lamb production, and we're seeing that uh, flow into markets as well, and, and provide more more choice. And unfortunately, when there's more choice, people often turn to compete on price rather than other attributes. So you're seeing all those protein prices uh, pressured around the world. Uh, so that's the supply side. On the demand side, um, a lot of it in the moment is is inflation and the impact of inflation on consumers' choices. Beef, lamb, venison are, are more expensive um, proteins. So people are trading down to pork, to chicken, sometimes half a third of the price um, into their daily shopping basket. And, and often when they've got a choice between paying a mortgage or a power bill um, or buy a good cut of steak out of New Zealand, they'll, they'll choose the cheaper cut or cheaper um, protein to feed the family with. So inflation pressure certainly is is critical uh, for us. And then consumer confidence as well. Uh, we're seeing, particularly in China, that, that consumers are reluctant to get out and spend money, and and that's reflected back into choices they make around dining out, around um, buying gifts for other people, often our product becomes quite a a sort of high-end gift for folk, Um, comes around to how they want to spend their money on groceries etc as well, they'd rather save money for fear of uncertainty coming their way versus getting out and spending it and, and being confident to spend
1: is there a uh, you know a desire to produce a lower value product to hit those consumers who are hurting or do you risk damaging your brand long term thereby going away from your central plate to pasture strategy
0: oh, Look I think we have to be really clear minded on the fact that we are only a tiny portion of the world's protein so we need to be quite fixated on the consumer set we're after and and I think if we we're, to, we're never going to compete on a low priced Uh, offering in the market you know we're a long distance it's the same same problem dairy kiwi fruit run into out of New Zealand as well we're a long way from our markets and we're a high cost producer and so our ability to be a low cost competitor in the market simply doesn't exist and and ultimately that would damage New Zealand farmers even more um, than sort of riding out what is a rough market and sticking to our strategy trying to maintain price and value and brand in the market.
1: So how do we beat the Brazilians and the Aussies? We're definitely doing it to the Aussies on the footy field <laughs> at the moment. How do we compete against those markets?
0: We know when we talk to our customers, and I've just been in China just last week, they say they, they are willing to and will pay a premium for New Zealand over those two countries. That's based, though, on, particularly uh, in lamb. it's um, based on a quality offering, that is more aligned to what they expect in terms of you know cuts, size of the cut, um, fat content, etc., um, and the, versus what they might get from other countries, just naturally the way they produce their their product. And so the the better we can be at doing those things, they value more at a very simple executional level. We can add more value. Ultimately, the the long term game though is to build a brand with a recognisable and credible story that sits in behind it about our farming systems, the care passion from our farmers that go into the product, um, our environmental footprint in growing as well in farming, Um, we think that even separates us even further than some of the probably stories that some consumers uh, from some... Growing regions don't particularly like how their how their products prepared. It's a like, very diplomatic answer that Yes, lasts up. I like how you're not
1: naming names there, Robo. You've been in really close contact with your markets teams as well, getting the gauge on how things are going overseas, so you can tailor your team's messaging to what they're hearing.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and 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 that has been more and more key as as we've got closer to today. So so. The, the uh, requirements of the consumer and what they want to know and how they want to uh, move forward is is uh, is becoming. Uh, greater expectations nowadays than what it was 10, 15 years ago. So we we need to be able to deliver on that, uh, not only that message, but on that product, the quality, the you know the sustainability angles, all all of the things that are in people's minds nowadays. We have to be sure that we have the product that 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 meets those needs, and we can tell that story just to make sure we differentiate ourselves from the Australians, from the Brazilians, and we have a point of difference.
1: There's not uh, a point of difference. There's not a temptation to put the blitters low. On our an image of that on our meat packs,
2: yeah. Unfortunately, the Chinese and the Americans don't understand the bloodless <laughs> like quite as well as uh, as the Australians, and we're not trying to sell too much to the Australians at the moment.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Look, I I don't know which of you uh, wants to answer this one, but you know we've been talking about the the high inflation, the pressures on consumers out there, but it's also the pressures on farmers as well. Farm inflation far outstrips what we're seeing in in the cities. Uh, returns are challenging for farmers at the moment and I've heard so many people say it is reminding them of the older farmers uh, not saying that you two will fit into this category uh, of what things were like in the in the 1980s and it's just something to ride out. So what does the longer term outlook look like for New Zealand? Who wants to answer this one?
0: Are we going to go? We're
1: yeah go. Dave we'll start with you.
0: <coughs> <laughs> so, so there's a part of our, our business uh, where we have a brand so I think the New Zealand um, retail shelf, see Silver Fern Farms retail products on there, and and that has a very steady pricing sitting on the supermarket shelf, um, regardless of what's happening in the, in the markets around the world. And we have similar programs elsewhere around the world uh, that that hold their pricing again, regardless of what's happening uh, in the commodity markets. And the more of our business, obviously, that we can put into those sort of programs uh, for a, a longer term average, higher average return for farmers the better. That, that's that's the focus of our business is to try and get more of those programs. Now now of course the trick on behalf of the farmer is when commodity prices go on an absolute tear and, and sort of rush past what you might get for it on the supermarket shelf, uh, we can't necessarily push our prices that fast um, in that, that format and so we have to be... Uh, take a long-term view as to how we price in those top ends of the commodity cycle and be mindful that it'll come down again. And so what we're trying to do is get a sustainable long-term average that we can commit to through committing to strategic customers around the world rather than riding the sort of roller coaster of the commodity cycle and, and everyone gets you know, seasick as a result. We, we want to have nice, calm seas uh, that, that are fun to sail on instead.
1: Yeah, interesting. I like how you have phrased that. Uh, Robo. what say you to this? Uh,
0: look, I,
2: I, I think... Um, it's a point in time where we are at the moment, and this is this is uh, one of those situations where we've seen our industry go through a, a lot of boom and bust cycles, and, and quite regularly. Um, and we've been fortunate enough prior to this year of having, you know, three or four good years um, both for farmers and for meat companies. Um, so I think this is a, a totally different scenario than what we've seen before in terms of um, you know we've been through global financial crisis, etc. But it's not really been as globally spread as what it is now, and it's affecting all species. So it's not a, a lamb problem. It's not a venison problem. It's a it's a protein problem. It's a it's a cost of living problem. It's a you know Ukraine war and all of the things that lead into bundling us up to what we got today. Um, so I think it's a point in time. Um, things will improve. Things will come back again, um, and and I think unfortunately we've just got to ride this out, um, and and we'll see some improvement uh, in the future. It's no, it's not a reason for us to stop. Uh, on our strategy to slow down what we're doing we've still got to focus on where we want to be long term um, and as Dave talked about it's, it's about having those averages but we're really uh, are focused on what the future looks like um, and, and while it's a bit painful at the moment this is, this is what we just consider a bit of a blip in, in time
1: Absolutely. Dave Courtney, Chief Customer Officer, Peter Robinson, General Manager for Sales at Silver Fair and Farms. Appreciate your coming into the studio and letting me pick your brains today. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Thank
0: thanks, you. Rubenna.